Hello and welcome to episode 37 of ON The Saints. I'm your host, Patrick Serlis. With me is just Jack this evening. Jack, how are you doing? Not bad, Pat. Happy after that three points, but it was a bit closer than we thought, wasn't it? It was. A bit nervy at the end. Lots to talk about today. Lots to discuss. We are chatting one hour after Saints 2-1 victory over Brighton at the Amex. That's moved us back up the table to fifth, four points off league leaders Tottenham. And a fantastic response to the disappointment of blowing a two-goal lead to Man United last Sunday. Actually, very nice to be on the right end of a come-from-behind win for once. So, Jack, loads of positives to take from this one. Let's talk about the game before we tick off a few other bits of Saints news at the end of the podcast. That being the new contract for Jan Bednarak and Ralph's two-year anniversary that you might have seen the club put out a few posts on Saturday, December 5th. So we'll ask you for some of your memorable moments for the two years. Um, that'll be at the end. But, but to start with, as we mentioned, 2-1 win at the Amex. Goals for Yannick Vestergaard. Fantastic stat, actually, that I just want to just throw out there at the top. Um, he's now scored more goals in the league than Martial, Aubameyang and Aguero combined. His third goal of the season. Love that. that that equalised, um, well, that was the leveller after Pascal Gross had, had opened the scoring um, for Brighton. And then Danny Ings off the bench on his return, winning a game for us around the 80th minute with a penalty. We'll come on to it, controversial VAR incident. But to start with, overall reflections on the game, massive three points. You happy with the performance? You happy with the result? Such such a big three points. Ralph said it after the game. Very, I think last season, we're not winning that game. We're not winning that game. And, you know, it's not very Saints to to spin a game after being a goal behind. But, you know, in general, you've got to be delighted with the three points. First half, I thought they were doing a bit of a job on us. I thought tactically they kind of sussed us out with the pressing, um, weren't giving us much space and, you know, should have gone in at the break one goal ahead. Um, I thought from set pieces, they were very dangerous. Brighton are a massive team, aren't they? When they bring Duncan Webster forward, causing us all sorts of problems. Um, deservedly went ahead. That handball from James Will Prowse, I don't think you could have any complaints. You've got your hand up that high in the box. <clears throat> yeah, it's a recipe for disaster, isn't it? Um, but yeah, I think it was, it was so crucial to go in one all. What a delivery from Will Prowse. We're seeing it week in, week out. He's just putting it on the money. And Vestergaard, like you said, three goals this season. Man of the match for me today. To go in at half-time, how are you feeling at half-time? Were you thinking we could go on and win that? Or were you, were you expecting a Brighton resurgence in the second half? For one thing, I celebrated massively because I thought that was a huge let-off. Having played the way we did in the first 45 minutes, to go in at one all was massive. Um, mm. I thought we were pretty crap in the first half. Uh, to yeah. start with, we were unchanged from the Man United defeat. Um, I did want to mention the bench looking much, much stronger. Really happy to see that Mohamed Salasu is a real human being. He <laughs> appeared on the bench for the first time. Obviously, great news that Danny Ings was back there. Nathan Redmond was also back. And all of a sudden, we've gone from looking at our bench and being like, oh my God, we've got no options, to being like, we can change the game now if it's not going well. So that was really positive to see, to see the bench looking good. My thoughts on the first half was, yeah, I mean, their, their shape was causing us issues I think it caused us issues for the whole game. Solly March for them on the left wing-back position was giving Armstrong all kinds of problems and we, we didn't really deal with him at all throughout the match, unfortunately. Um, but they obviously go one and up. As you say, Will Prowse can have no complaints. I don't know what he's doing with his hand. 
up that high in the box. It was just asking for the referee to point to the spot. Um, but they were they were a good value for their lead at that point. And, and we didn't really look like getting back into it until Vestergaard steps up, towering header. Towering is the word for it. He would just, he's... He's gone from being a six foot six defender that was struggling to win headers to all of a sudden just being like aerially dominant. And I don't really know what's mm. changed, but it's great to see. It's the trim. It's the trim. Yeah, maybe you're right. It's the trim. It must be. I there's literally no other explanation for it. I don't know how he's, how he's swung from one end of the pendulum to the other so dramatically. Um, but yeah, Wall Prowse delivery again. I wish I had the stats for how many goals we've got from set pieces this season, um, but it's a lot. And to go in at one all was just was just massive really and it allowed us to make that that attacking change at half time it allowed Ralph I think to be aggressive and we brought off Gineppo who'd picked up an early yellow and I tweeted about it I, I thought he could have been substituting the first half not necessarily because he was playing particularly badly I don't think he was playing well but because he was on a yellow and he kept on putting in these niggly fouls that the referee he was asking the question of of, of, of well he was he was tempting the referee, basically, to give him that second yellow, and that was dangerous. So, Ralph hooks him at half-time. We bring on Danny Ings, which was a huge boost. It was. I mean, we obviously missed Danny Ings for, for three games. Got the win against Newcastle, the draw at Wolves, and unfortunately got the defeat against Man United. But, you know, four points from those three games where you're missing your talisman is not bad. Bringing him on at half-time today, you just saw, I think it just gave the whole team a massive lift. His quality dropping in you know and it allowed Walcott to go out to the left hand side I thought he had a decent game but Danny Ings just little bits of class the bit of skill when he juggled it in the box and played it to Redmond who should have done better um, you know he's just got such good link up play and it was just brilliant to see him back out under the pitch um, it was what did you make of the yeah what did you make of the penalty then Pat so so yeah about 10 minutes to go at first glance I thought foul and the referee kind of delayed it a little bit. I thought he wasn't going to give it. And mm. I don't think the ref, ref had the best game. Um, but I don't think either team can have any complaints with, with either penalty. I thought the handball was the right call. And I thought VAR ultimately got it right. I think the initial contact's outside with Walker-Peters and March, wasn't it? Solly March. Um, yeah. The initial contact was outside. But then the actual foul takes place in the box for me. And there was one mm. angle that they showed it on the coverage here in America that as soon as the commentators saw it, they changed their mind for the initial opinion of being foul outside the box to being like, oh, hang on a second. I think VAR is going to give a penalty here. You could listen to them and kind of figure it out themselves. And I think that's exactly the same process that went through the VAR officials' mind. When I saw that angle, I was convinced it was a penalty. Um, I know it's a controversial one. And even some Saints fans were thought we got a bit lucky there. But for me, if you just watch the replay, the foul occurs inside the box. And, and it doesn't matter if it starts outside. If it occurs inside the box, it's a penalty. Um, what are your thoughts on it? I mean, don't get me wrong. It's made my week that we've got three <laughs> points against Brighton. And if we're going to get a dodgy penalty, I'll snap your hand off. My, my you know, from a, if I am a neutral in a game... You're not, I just, but okay. I'm obviously not. But if I'm watching a game and I'm a neutral and I see the camera slow it down to that speed, I think it's easy to pick out fouls when you're slowing it down to that speed. There's obviously an initial clash of bodies at the start, which, you know, knocks Walker-Peters off balance. And I know the bit where you're talking about, he's stuck his left foot out, or maybe he's outside of his right foot, and mm -hmm. he's hit the underside of Solly March. If I'm a Brighton fan, I'm thinking, 
oh my God, that has caused, that's not caused the foul. And that's what everyone's saying. That is technically the foul in the box. Is that a foul or has he tried to get the ball and Sully March's legs in the way? I'm not sure. I just think it gets a bit difficult when you slow it down to that speed. But Pat will take it. The way Danny stepped up and took that penalty, I'm not going to lie, I was a little bit nervous. He's been out for a month or so, but dispatched into the side netting. He's back. We're back. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I'm going to disagree with you. I'm going to watch it back after this again. But my mind, as soon as I saw the replay, don't get me wrong, I think you're right when you're saying like if VAR wasn't a thing and we just got one look at it, you wouldn't necessarily be too upset to get a free kick on the edge of the box. But if you see it, you see it back again. And to me, it's a penalty. Um, mm. So, yeah, Brian might feel a little bit hard done by, but Danny Ings dispatching a penalty, going 2-1 up. At that point, you think, shut up, shot. But I don't really think we're capable of doing that because we, we were open the whole game and we continue to be open for the final 10 minutes or so. Um, yeah, I mean, what did you make of the defensive performance overall? Obviously, you called out Vestergaard, man in the match. I thought he was, I thought he was very, very good. But Welbeck and Connolly up front with their pace were causing us problems, and it felt like that we were what, dropping back really deep to like kind of overcompensate for that, which then made it hard for Romeo and Ward Prowse in the middle because they were being asked to cover a lot more space, um, mm. and it just stretched the game a little bit. So I thought Brighton probably could and should have scored another one. Yeah, I thought what, what they were doing was just forcing us into mistakes. And it happened on too many occasions where Romeo would dally on the ball and get the, his pocket nicked. Walker Peters, I thought he had a very good game, but there was one or two occasions where he would try a bit too much and get his pocket picked. So it was, I think the way they set up was just forcing us into mistakes. And that's credit to Brighton because, you know, they're a very well-coached team. Defensively, in general, I thought Alex McCarthy was had a solid game. The way he comes out and collects crosses now, I think that's another part of his game that's developed massively. It gives the whole back four a lift when you've got a keeper that's not afraid to come off his line and claim corners and claim crosses. Vestergaard's, like you said, man in the match. Bednarak, I thought, solid. Solid at the back there. Didn't put a foot wrong. And, you know, Bertrand had one of his solid games. He's, I think we're seeing less and less of Bertrand as an attacking threat as he, you know, loses that yard of pace as he gets to the last stage of his career. But, you know, you've still got a very solid left back there. And, uh, yeah, his link up on the left-hand side is still quality. Yeah, I'm just reading Ralph's quotes on the two penalty decisions. Absolutely love it. For the first one, he says he didn't see it. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> Don't see the ones that go against you. Um, and for the second one, he says, this is why we have VAR. Um, he thinks it was clear inside the box. It's not nice to get a penalty. This is his words. It's not, not nice to get a penalty against you in this situation. But from the decision that I've seen, it's relatively clear. And, and I would agree with him there. Um, you'd be disappointed if, you, if, it, if it was the other way around. And as I was watching that game, you just had the feeling that the match was going to swing on, one, on, on a goal for either team and the other team would be very disappointed by it because it was a relatively mm. even game. I mean, they had opportunities. Mope at the end could have, could have nicked a could have nicked a point with that turn and swivel in the box. Um, that was close for sure. Uh, but but overall, I thought these are the games that last season we weren't winning. And now, if you look at some of the performances that we've put in, you look at the Newcastle game, you look at the West Brom game, you look at Burnley away, you look at Villa away. This is our sixth win of the season. And we're beating teams that last season we would have struggled to beat both home and away. Uh, and that's what's really encouraging for me, I think, as, as, we, move, as we move on through the season. Um, 
yeah, I mean, what do you think, where should we be looking now over the Christmas period? It was the Christmas period last year that really kind of propelled our season. And now we're approaching that same period of time, but we're in a much, much better place as a club. Quick, quickly, before I go on to the, the Christmas period, I just want to say shout out Bisley Saint on Instagram. He, he uh, predicted the correct result, 2-1 Saints. So shout out Mark Butler. Great shout from you. Go on the Bisley um, Saint. On you know the, the Christmas period, this is when we need the squad and this is when I'm delighted to see Redmond and Ings back and Salisu in contention and Diallo. You know, he didn't come on today, but I'm sure we've got games coming thick and fast in December. We're going to see him playing more and more. Sheffield United at home next. You've got to be looking at taking three points. They've got one point this season. They're in disarray. They're dreadful to, this season. They are dreadful, but you know, it's going to be a difficult game. It is going to be I also a difficult want to game, hear like nothing every- of the curse of fans being back in the stadium. Like I don't want that to even be a storyline. You know, you can imagine if we drop points, that could, yeah. that could just be another little storyline. And then just like, they've been dreadful this season. We just need to put them away. We do, we do. And then we will go on to Arsenal next Wednesday, which, you know, again, a club in an absolute mess at the moment. Um, so we've got to go there full of confidence and try and take some and, you know, cause problems. And fans in the stadium could be the best thing for us because I'd love us to get an early goal and it to be Bedlam in the in the home end. Yeah, I mean, Arsenal, it could be a good time to play them. Um, we play them on a Wednesday night, actually, on, yeah, on the 16th of December. And then our Christmas period, just to look at it, it's, so it's Sheffield United home, Arsenal away, Man City at home, Fulham away, West Ham at home, and then... On the 2nd of January, our first game of 2021 is home to the defending champions, Liverpool. So some tough games in there, if you look at it. I mean, I'd still put Arsenal in a tough game. and They've got some quality players, Arsenal away. Um, but we can go into that full of confidence. We've also got City and Liverpool. So really, really important, I think, to pick up points in these types of games. Brighton, like, whenever you discuss Brighton, it always comes up. And I think you said it before, like well-coached. They are well-coached. They held Liverpool to a draw recently at the Amex they've not had great results but I don't think they'll be in any trouble really um, and to get a win over them at their place is is really really pleasing um, any other bits and pieces that you wanted to, to mention from the game I just wanted to mention Che Adams actually because I thought he was cl- he was quiet in the first half and you discussed Danny Ings being out of the team we've discussed Che stepping up hugely and that partnership with Walcott looking quite nice today it didn't really click in the first half Nothing was really sticking. But by the end, when Ings, when his, when his partner was back in there, Che's work rate was just phenomenal. And I'm thinking about one instance in particular. Last 60 seconds, Redmond gives the ball up. Uh, puts, I think he puts Romeo under pressure with a really poor pass. And we lose the ball. And at that moment, I, I think I said on Twitter, I've never been more anti-Redmond. I was just screaming at the <laughs> TV. Um, but then Adams comes steaming in 20 seconds later and makes a huge tackle down towards the corner flag. It gives away the throw-in, but it's just kind of like, that work rate, I've never been more pro-Adams than that, than that moment. Mm. He was just, he was everywhere. He was chasing, he was charging people down. And that's what you need, really. And now, Ings is back. We've got that quality up front. It's just such a good partnership. And I think you're right. It's going to be so crucial over the next run of games to have our squad coming back to full fitness. Yeah, I think on, on Adams, he's... A young lad and he's got an absolute engine on him and that is one of the massive reasons why Hassan Hootl loves him because he knows he does not need to be taken off you know as we approach that final 20 minutes he 
gives it a hundred percent right to the end. And I know exactly that point when he closed down that the Brighton play on the right hand side. It was a huge lift for the whole team. Um, I just thought, yeah, all over the pitch, there's some good performances. Midfield, Romeo. I was I was looking on Twitter and he did divide opinion a bit today. I mean, just to get your thoughts, but I think he was a bit sloppy in some instances. But he gives us that calmness and assurance on the ball that we need. And he picked up his standard yellow card, which, you know, death taxes and oil were maybe picking up a yellow card. He did. I thought, as I mentioned earlier, I think it was quite tough for them because they were stretching the game so much. We were dropping deep. They had pace. Rebeu is not the most mobile. So that makes it difficult for him. And he can look a bit leggy when the game gets stretched. And I think that did happen a few times. What was encouraging for me, again, is the fact that we went away from home and again, we had more possession than our opponents we completed more passes as well than Brighton and we're not going away from home and counter-attacking which we can do we're going away from home and winning games by creating chances Um, Mm. having said that again our goals were from set pieces but we're creating opportunities and we have the quality from set pieces to convert them as well so it's good to see us like the continued evolution of the team keeping the ball I thought Romeo and Walprows were okay in the middle don't think it was their best game by a long way. As, as I said at the top, I don't think we played well full stop, really. Similar to the United game. Against United, we found ourselves 2-0 up without really playing that well. I think our performance levels can go up several several levels against Sheffield United and, and several levels against Arsenal um, to say that we're playing at our very, very best. But it's a sign, it's a very positive sign for us to say that we didn't play our best and we still picked up a win away from home. So, yeah, mm. I did just want to say we've given Vestergaard man of the match it was also his pass for Kyle Walker-Peters winning the penalty. One of those kind of trademark Vestergaard pings diagonal um, that, that created that opportunity. So again, he's just growing in importance. And as we said, Mohamed Salisu popped up on the bench today. Obviously, wasn't needed. But he faces a battle to get in the team if Vestergaard keeps playing this well. He does. He does. And like we said, the fixtures are going to come thick and fast. We might see him, hopefully not because of an injury, but... He's not going to break into that team ahead of Bednarak or Vestergaard at the moment because they're both mm. playing fantastically well. On Bednarak then, a new contract for him. I uh, thought he played pretty well today. Um, but overall, he's been excellent, hasn't he, under, under Hassan Hootl? And really important to tie up these players that are in the prime of their careers um, to long-term deals. I think he's under contract to 2025 now. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's 24 years old. You know, He's a regular in the Poland team. We signed him a few years back and I think, especially under Ralph, he seems like one of the first names on the team sheet. He plays 90 minutes, whatever the cup competition it is. Ralph trusts Jan Bednarak at the back to give him a solid performance. And I think that's the key. He's in his prime. He's, he, he would have offers you know, from different clubs, I'm sure, across Europe that would take a young international centre-back on. But I think he's bought into this project. He knows how important he is to this team. Um yeah, I think that's really exciting and a bit of a statement to the other players that are thinking about signing new deals just to, you know, a bit of a, hopefully a little bit of an incentive for them to join, you know, and join mm. what Ralph is doing over these next couple of years. Do you reckon Walcott can tell Danny to sign a thing? <laughs> oh, I did actually say that embarrassingly on the TV when <laughs> I was watching that. I did say Danny signed a thing, which didn't yeah. go down well with my housemates. But um, I th- that's... it's. I've not been alive. To. He just needs to. Uh, well, got... I don't know what the hold up is. I don't really want to know. I just want to wake up one morning and he signed a new contract. Yeah, yeah, that's what everyone wants. But um, 
end of next season, isn't it? End of 2022, that runs out. We've got plenty of time. I'm not worrying just yet. We'll start worrying towards the end of next se- this season. Fair enough. Um, we won a game on Monday night for the first time in forever. I don't know if you saw this Huge. Stat, but yeah, yeah we, um, we hadn't won a game in 14 matches on a Monday night. So at our 15th attempt, we've, we've done the job. Gordon Strachan was manager last time. We picked up three points in the Premier League away from home. A 1-0 win. I think it was 1-0 uh, against West Ham. So that's another record gone. I have just found the stat about set pieces. Only Chelsea have scored more goals from set pieces than Saints. We've got seven this season. Chelsea have got eight, but that doesn't include penalties. So I think if you included the penalties, uh, we'd probably have more than them. Don't quote me on that. I can't think of the top of my head, but we're definitely up there. And that, and that by and large, is, is the J, James Ward-Prowse effect, isn't it? It is. I mean, every time we get a corner, every time we get a free kick, you know there's going to be a great chance for Southampton at the moment. And that is such a crucial thing to have in your team, that you know, bit of creativity from those areas that you can get a goal, especially in tight games like this, which you know, easily could have petered out into a draw. Just to have that moment of magic is brilliant. Yeah. One more stat to throw at you. Will Prowse, 25 assists in the Premier League now for Southampton. Only three Saints players have got more assists in the Premier League. Matt Letizier being one, he leads the way, miles ahead, 63 assists. Can you guess either of the other two? It's tough. It's tough. They're quite recent. One is uh, Saints legend from the 90s mainly, and then the other one uh, played and uh, Komen, a few other managers as well, had a couple of good years, a couple of off years. Duzan, that's got to be Duzan. I remember him getting about 15 in the game against Sunderland. <laughs> Duzan Tadic, yeah. He's got 27 assists, so Will Prowse closing in on him. And then Jason Dodd is with 26 assists. Wow. Impressive from right back, I think. He played a lot of games for us, obviously. But, um, but yeah, Will Prowse up to 25 Premier League assists now. Only a matter of time before he moves into second place ahead of Tadic and Dodd, I think. Probably do it in the next game. Um, <laughs> But yeah, so we just wanted to close on Hassan Hootel. Two-year anniversary on Saturday at St. Mary's. And I mean, it's just considering what we had before him, I'm thinking Pellegrino, Hughes, Puel, to have him as manager now. We've had some great, great moments, some great matches. He picked out a few on the Saints website, some of his favourites and some of his most memorable he mentioned uh, his, first, his first game in charge, the Arsenal win. He also mentioned the Man City win where Che Adams scores from 40 yards. Interesting one, I thought, was the Arsenal away game at the Emirates when we were winning 2-1 and, and Lacazette uh, nicked a point for them. But that was our kind of first match playing the 4-2-2-2 and it looked like it worked. And I think from then we really kicked on. That was one that Ralph was particularly proud of as well. Were there any ones that stood out to you uh, as memorable moments from these two years? Um, yeah, definitely. I think it's been an incredible two years. The, a few few memories of mine would be beating Leicester away um, in his first season. I think Shane Long got a deflected winner in that game. Was, I remember being in the away in that day and the atmosphere was just brilliant. Him coming over to the corner of the stadium and you just thought, we haven't had a manager like that in a long time that would have that connection with the fans. That game was huge. Um, yeah, Jan Valerie got sent off before half time, didn't he? And we, it was like a proper siege mentality, second half. It was. I and mean, we've just spoke about Jan Bednarak. He made one of the clearances of the season off the line in that game. Um, 
But yeah, I just remember that moment, him coming over to the corner with his cap on and just thinking, we've got a proper, proper manager here that gets it. Um, I'd also say the, the season after when we beat Leicester again, obviously the whole storyline about that season, getting beat by them at home, going away and doing that just felt like such a huge moment for the club. I'd say in that same season, going to Stamford Bridge and beating them 2-0, such a great result. I think it was Oberfemi that got the goal and the Nathan Redmond. Brilliant team goal in that game. Um, and yeah, there's so many. There's so many. United away, getting that point. Michael Oberfemi again, Femi. last minute. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just it, it was, one, it's the result, but two, it was the way we were playing. People were starting to take notice and going, Southampton aren't nicking points here. They're deservedly getting points at these clubs so yeah just didn't put us on the map it just raised our stature I think massively within a lot of you know football fans in general yeah what, what I about yourself is, is, you got any is the evolution of the team really going from like obviously Ralph came in and he made an immediate difference because we were pretty crap and he and he got us playing well he got us organized and he got us defensively well drilled and we could string in a string a few passes together and counter-attack and we've kind of gone from there where we've been known for like really pressing high, high intensity, winning the ball back up the pitch and scoring goals and winning games that way. So now we can still do that, but we have the ability to knock it about. And that's really what's happened over the last six months or so, the end of last season and under Project Restart and then the start of this season. We've changed our game and I'm thinking it's taken us to new heights. So the moments you mentioned there, the Leicester, Leicester away will be one of my favourite away day memories for a long time until I can come back, come back to the UK and, and hopefully fans will be um, back in the stadiums, away fans, and we can have a few more away days. That will, that's one that definitely stands out for me. And then some of the other ones, I mean, Project Restart as a whole, that whole period just was like great game after great game. I love the Norwich mm. away performance, like really approaching that game. Not sure, not sure how it's going to go. We, I think we'd lost to Newcastle and that was the end of the, the kind of pause. And you're thinking, we can't get sucked back into a relegation battle here, can we? Like, I know we're Saints fans and it's possible, but like we're not <laughs> really going to, are we? And then just to come out there and just to do Norwich 3-0 at Carrow Road, put in a really good performance, score some fantastic goals. There's just so many moments like that. Um, and yeah, and it's a, it's a, I think it's a privilege to have Ralph as a manager and we should be making the most of it. And hopefully this season we will. And making the most of it really is, is pushing for a European place. We've got one of the top five best managers in the league. So we should be looking to finish in the top six for sure, I think now. It's ambitious for sure, considering the squad that we've got and the squad that other teams have got and the resources that they've got, the amount of money that they can spend. But at the same time, I think when you have a manager that's got a, a way of playing and the players buy into that and he talks about his auto, making it automatic the way that the players respond to his pressing triggers, like you can see that it's automatic now for these players that have come in. And that's why it's so impressive what Walcott's done. He's come into the team and just been able to like slot straight in. That's not the case for everyone, as we've seen with Diallo and Salasu. So yeah, we need to make the most of Ralph while he's, while he's manager for sure. We do. I mean, fifth point, um, sorry, fifth in the table, 20 points on the board after 11 games. I don't think we could ask for much more, could we? So many positives, which is so great because last, last week's pod was a little bit depressing when it probably shouldn't have really been because we were tuning up against United. Um, to throw mm. it away in that manner it was disappointing, but so many positives now. Bednarak, Ralph, Ings back, Redmond back, three points on the board, a jammy penalty against Brighton. Like, absolutely love it. So, 
I think that wraps it up for this week. Anything else to add? No, no. I'm just going to go have a look at the Premier League table for a bit longer and uh, maybe watch, watch the, the highlights, highlights again. I think watch the highlights for the second time. <laughs> but yeah, so we uh, Saints are back in action on Sunday, uh, as we mentioned at home to Sheffield United. We'll be chatting again straight after the game, and our pod will be out at the regularly scheduled uh, time of first thing on Monday morning. That'll be a match reaction for the Sheffield United game. And fingers crossed it's another three points. Hopefully, mate. Long may this continue. In front, in front of the fans for the first time in a long time. So, yeah, up the Saints. Enjoy your evening. Um, yeah, and speak to you next week.